It's time for another edition of Unprofessional. I am Lex Friedman, joined as always by Dave Wiskus. Hi, Dave. Hi, Lex. Wow, that was that was really enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here today. Well, Dave's fired up because our guest today is the. Uh, pro- I, I don't know if this is true, but I believe it in my soul. The world's best blogger and most popular one at that, Jason Kotke. Hi, Jason. How are you? Good. How are you guys, John? I'm good. Let me ask you this. Did I, I, I'm always worried about this, and I realized I didn't check with you before we started recording. Did I say your last name properly? Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. That's how I've always said it. I mean, I, I, I don't know when I started reading you, but man, I think I've always pronounced it in my head, so I'm glad I, I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> I've been saying it that way for years. I'm glad I was right. I have so, to say, Jason, you are one of my favorite websites. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You personally. Me, me personally. <laughs> so for the, uh, I don't, I can't imagine what the Venn diagram of people who listen to this podcast and don't already know who Jason Kotke looks like, uh, Jason Kotke <laughs> is, what that Venn diagram <laughs> looks like. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. But I, I can't imagine what that Venn diagram looks like. But for, for that very small subset of humans who listen to this and yet don't know who you are, tell, tell the people who you are, Jason. Uh, let's see. My name is Jason and I, uh. I edit a website called Kotke.org, and I've been doing that since March of 1998, um, which I guess makes it one of the longest-running blogs online. Uh, the blog's kind of old-school in a way because it doesn't have a particular area of interest. Uh, I'm kind of all over the place, just whatever catches my fancy that day. Yeah, and it's you know it's my full-time job, and, and I, uh, I get to the office every morning at 9 o'clock, and I sit down and I do it all day, and it's fun. You have a, a physical office away from your home that you go to? I do. I think it's so cool. I do. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I have to. I, I, you know, I can't really get any work done at home because, you know, we have two kids and they're in and out and, and you know, it's just too many distractions. It's funny. I you know I, as Dave knows well, I work from home. I have three kids at home and Dave has heard sometimes during recordings of this very podcast that they <laughs> will come into the office unprompted. But uh, it's interesting. I, I have often thought of the idea of going to another place to do my work, mm-hmm. but I'm also, I really enjoy my commute of the shoes hallway, which is what we call the hallway outside the garage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mine's only about 15 minutes. That's not bad. Yeah. I don't know if this is how you would describe it, but part of what Kotke.org is famous for in my mind is your ability to, I don't want to, I guess curate's the best word, but to just find all the, the, some of the coolest things coming up sometimes on the internet that day and sometimes, you know, historical stuff, but whatever it is, just finding some of the coolest things on the internet, which I imagine means A, you're receiving a lot of links from various people and B, you're also just browsing and, and consuming and looking all around to find these, these amazing finds that you post. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, I, I get a lot less sort of emailed links than I used to. I don't know for whatever reason I, I you know, I just don't, don't get that many links anymore in the email. Uh, I used to use RSS a lot. Like I'd use Google reader and I'd, you know, read through two or 300 or 400 sites a day and look at, you know, hundreds of links. Right. And, uh, I stopped using reader probably, I don't know, it's probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Now I rely mostly on Twitter and this other site that I built called stellar. Right. Between the two of those, it's a pretty good. I don't, you know, it's a different mix of stuff than than I used to get through Google Reader, but uh, it's pretty good. Here's my question: your 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 day job is essentially browsing the the web and and like you said, using Twitter and Stellar.io and all those things mm-hmm. to to find cool stuff. Does that mean that you 
you shut down everything when you go home and once once you're back once you're off the clock and it's it's home time then you're no longer yeah, do you surf, surf the web for fun? Right. Do you read <laughs> I don't know what that is for fun. Um, like casually or, yeah. or just because you feel like it? At what point, like, how do you draw the line between what you're doing for work and what you're just doing because you would anyway? There is really no line. I mean, whenever I'm on the web, it's, it's you know, partially for work. I'm always, you know, my eyes are always open for things that I can post to my site. You know, but sometimes it's more casual than others. Like I'll, you know, like now, if, you know, if I'm at home in the evening and, you know, not really working, but I'm just kind of surfing around, like if I find something interesting, I won't blog it right then and there. I'll just keep it until tomorrow morning. I'll just keep it in a tab and then write about it the next morning or whatever. But there is, you know, there is stuff that I don't, you know, that's not necessarily stuff that I'm going to put on my site. Like I follow, um, I follow soccer. And so, uh, you know, I'll read a bunch of stuff about soccer, you know, online at night and, you know, it's nothing that I'm going to ever post on my site. I've noticed actually, I, I don't, I can't say that I noted this before I started thinking about it in these terms, but generally speaking, your posting is limited to work hours. So if you see something that that's interesting when you're, when you're at home, when you're off the clock, is your, is your path, you just save it and then get to it later, get to it the next day or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, gotcha. yeah, I, you know, I try to keep the posting between, you know, nine and five or nine and six, just because that's when everyone else is online. And I don't know, it's convenient for me and it's, it's nice. I think people like the schedule of it. It's interesting because you have an office you go to, you have office hours, it's, you could say open for business for a certain set of time to the point where even when you go on vacation, you have somebody else take over for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren Richter was talking about how, he doesn't believe in like work life balance. It's all like work and life. They're all part of the same thing. And so he kind of lets them flow into each other. And that's, that's kind of the path I take. And I end up feeling like, uh, anything I do is part of one big blob rather than this is my work stuff. This is my home stuff. It doesn't help that I work from home, but I don't have like a, a clear line between those two things. One of the fascinating adjustments I've had to make in the almost two years now that I've been full-time with Macworld is the fact that it is basically a nine to five job. I mean, it's more an eight forty-five to five twenty-seven job because that's how I do it. But if major Apple news happens, then I'll go back online. But how often does that happen? Especially after 5 PM, it's basically morbidly enough, you know, if, if you know, when Steve jobs died, then I worked after 5 PM, but that doesn't happen all that often for obvious reasons. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's, it, it's, it's interesting to me that I have that time that's free. Uh, and I would still say that just about a hundred percent of the time, it's, it's some very small dip below that, but just about all the time I will still end up using uh, either my computer or more likely my iPad at night. Once the kids are in bed, my wife and I, if, if I'm not podcasting, my wife and I will sit together on the couch from about eight to 11 and almost that entire time we're each, I mean, we're talking to each other. We might watch television, but we both have our devices and I'm still looking. I feel like there's just so much, <laughs> there's so much stuff on the internet. And I, it's, I don't feel like I have to read the whole internet, but there's so much interesting stuff. And, you know, it's like, yes, I could read a book or pay full attention to whatever we're watching on television, but look what just came up in my Twitter feed. That's worth reading. And there's always more tweets and there's always more articles and there's always more essays. And I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely feel like I have developed some sort of addiction and i am aware that i have the addiction but i don't yet consider it a problem it sounds like a problem (laughs) okay (laughs) it does sound like a problem my line is if i'm staring at my mac that's work if i'm staring at my phone that's not work what what about the ipad Uh, 
I, you know, I haven't found a place in my life for the iPad other than making sure, because I design software, making sure that things that I design for the iPad work on the iPad. Right. Well, which, which iPad do you have? Uh, the three. Okay. So Retina, but not Lightning. Right. I had the, um, I just had like a, you know, the, the, the iPad one basically. And I used it the first like three months and then I stopped using it basically. And, uh, but I got recently got an iPad mini like a month ago and that thing is amazing. Like I use it all the time and it's, right. you know, I use it, you know, it, it is funny because I, I never use my phone for work really unless I'm, uh, like I'll read long articles on, on Instapaper, but that's about it. Otherwise I'm just like fiddling with my, you know, Instagram or, <laughs> you know, like Twitter or whatever. But the, but the mini, like I actually, you know, I actually do work on that. I mean, not a lot of typing or whatever, but like I'll, you know, I'll go through Twitter and favorite things and, and I'll, you know, read on Instapaper and, and stuff like that. It, it, but also, you know, screw around on it. Like I'll, you know, watch shows on HBO Go or, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's really is like this sort of in between thing as far as like this work life, you know, divide, which is interesting. I'm cracking up over here because we're like, any talk about software and, and Mac stuff, we're, we're still going to get Lex fired from Macworld. <laughs> <laughs> He's not allowed to talk about any of this poor bastard. I'm in, enjo- I'm just enjoying the, the lovely conversation. No, the truth <laughs> is the iPad mini is definitely my favorite iPad. I've owned every model except for the iPad four, mostly because of work. Um, but the, and the mini is the only one that I use. And, you know, my wife's got a retina iPad. And if I really feel like, man, I've been, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out computed today. I'm done. Not necessarily I'm done with the internet, but I'm done with computing. That's when I bring out the iPad and put the computer away under the couch. And it's, I mean, it's all the same things, you know, I'll check Twitter and I'll, I'll go into my newsreader and whatever else, but it just, it feels totally different for me on the iPad. And that's, that's the relaxing machine. Yeah. I think this is the problem we run into, just this kind of conversation, not being able to get away from talking about computers and technology. I think it's because we all have friends who, at least in my case, all my friends work in this field. So it's hard for me to have conversations that aren't right in this bubble of things. Well, plus technology, I mean, you know, technology is so embedded in our lives and the way that we just are, you know, like I feel like most of my friendships, I mean, the people don't live in the same city that I live in. So, you know, our friendships are conducted over things like Twitter and email and I am and Skype and, and, and those types of things. And it's like, it's just sort of this unavoidable thing. It's like this, you know, this medium that we inhabit, you know, I, I feel like, you know, 50% I live in New York and 50% I live online. Wow. That's really interesting. Remember maintaining relationships before the internet? <laughs> I don't actually. When you actually had to call people and like go visit them and right. and calling costs a shitload of money. Yeah, yeah. And then you had cell phones and you had like two hundred minutes or something, so you had to really parcel it out very delicately. And you had to send letters, and I was—I mean, I, I'm a professional writer now, right? They, that's what they pay me to do, and I was just terrible at letters. I could write a letter like nobody's business, but when it came to addressing it, sealing the envelope, putting the stamp on, and getting it in the mailbox, that's what I was bad at. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible at the writing. It's the so. How are you? I spent my day doing. Right. I can't. I don't like. What am I supposed to say? I wrote you a letter yesterday. I got nothing new. That was one-to-one blogging back then. <laughs> But I mean, it's interesting because what I sometimes think about is how different will the concept of friendship be for our kids and for the the generation coming up? You know, I think about high school. I am able to reach out to the people who I knew in high school or junior high school thanks to things like Facebook. 
Um, but I'm, I'm pretty selective about it. I have to imagine that if you're coming up in high school or junior high school now, you add pretty much everybody. I mean, even looking at some of my younger sisters in law where they've got friends lists up in the thousands, uh, because it's, you know, everybody at the school adds everybody else. And unless you're pruning that over time, you never have the chance to miss people or, you know, to, to figure out how am I going to maintain it? Or at least not that you don't have the chance, but it's, it's a different take on it, right? So when they're going to maintain those friendships over time as they go to college or go on with life or whatever else, yeah. they're always sort of connected to those people. And it feels like that's very different from how it used to be. I miss missing people. I'm saturated by other human beings. They're always there. I can turn on my computer and everyone I know is there. My phone, everyone I know is there. If I need you, I can text you or I can tweet at you or I can get you on Facebook. There's also, I don't know, you talk about being, you know, Facebook friends with 1200 people. Like, how do you, <laughs> how do you maybe decide like that, that all is sort of holding you back in a way and you want to be someone else. And, you know, the sort of the, the thing of like, I'm going to, you know, shed my, my current self and I'm going to move somewhere new where I don't know anybody and, and, you know, be another person. And, and like, you know, how do you, how do you do that on Facebook without, you know, I mean, you could kill your account or whatever, but. Right. That's a great insight. Actually. I knew a guy, a friend of a friend a few years ago, uh, and I'd met him only a couple of times, but his story was fascinating. Every couple of years he would move to a new city, get a new haircut and legally change his name <laughs> and just start all over. And I'm sure that guy had some serious mental problems that, that <laughs> led him to doing this, or maybe he had killed somebody. I don't know. But every couple of years, he'd move to a new city and just start life again. And I, I was talking to him about it, and I, like, how, why? why? Like, how do you get yourself to do that? And uh, his objective was to live as many lives in his lifetime as he could, to experience being these different people, to see what fit him. Hmm. You know, you're right. You do want to reinvent yourself a little bit. How you present yourself, you think, well, this is all the things I fucked up when I was in high school. I'm not making those mistakes again. Uh, I'll make new and better mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think that's going to be a, a long-term challenge. I guess if it's your life, if that's what you're growing up with, you don't perceive it as a challenge. It's just how the world is for you. But I, I think it's just fascinating to think that this growing generation now will forever, if they so choose, will forever be connected to these people on Facebook and through whatever else the next hip social network is. I think for me, I prune my Facebook list as much as I can because I'm mostly interested in seeing who, you know, and seeing the people who I actually care about. So my method is always when, uh, when Facebook tells me whose birthday it is that day, if I don't care enough to tell the person happy birthday, that's when I know it's time to defriend that person. So we'll no longer be friends after June. I'm going to wish you happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how sweet. Dave, I think we should acknowledge our first sponsor right about now. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. Me too, because these are repeat sponsors of Unprofessional. We love that like a lot. And it's lynda.com. That's that huge online learning company that's got more than 77,000 video tutorials that teach software, creative design, and business skills. It's pretty great. Great people. And what they say is you can learn it at lynda.com, specifically lynda.com slash unprofessional in our case. So for $25 a month, they give you unlimited 24-7 access to top quality video courses taught by expert instructors with real world experience. So that one of those video sites that's only available like 23 hours a day or four or five or six days a week. This is 24-7. A website that's open 24 hours a day. It's true. Huh. So you can learn anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace from bite-sized tutorials with comprehensive courses in web design, programming, design, photography, business, audio and video, 3D and animation, new courses every week. The lynda.com library keeps pace with today's fast-changing technical and software skills. So uh, you should really... And it's got, they've got the... Uh, a free iPhone and iPad app so you can learn on the go. And unprofessional listeners get this free seven-day trial of lynda.com 
No questions asked, no holds barred. Seven days free if you go to lynda.com slash unprofessional. I should point out that's L-Y-N-D-A, Linda with a Y, lynda.com slash unprofessional. Long-time listeners will know I'm a, I'm a huge fan of unconventional education, and I think that uh, this kind of thing is perfect for that. And if you want to know how they can pay for the ad, by the way, they just raised like $100 million. <laughs> what? Yeah, for, for eons, uh, Linda's been um, entirely self-funded and, you know, a hugely successful business for them. But uh, after after 17 years, literally, Linda raised $100 million. Wow. Yeah. So I guess the good news is you know they're not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to start learning things. Just have them disappear out from underneath you. Exactly. Yeah. Th- this is a successful company. Well, that explains how they can stay open 24 hours a day. For their next ad, let's charge them $100 million. I think that sounds fair. <laughs> Wait, did, did the $100 million thing happen after the last ad they did with us? Yes. Yes, it did. Then I'm taking credit. I think that's fair. It was their exposure on this show. Right. They were like, wow, we did generate $70 million in revenue in 2011. And we've had revenue grow to $100 million in 2012. But the thing that pushed us over the top and caused us to say we were going to raise $103 million in growth equity was this show. It makes sense to me. Now, Jason, are are you a Facebook person? Do you do that? Um, I sort of. Um so I joined, I maybe joined Facebook like two or three years ago and I've never, I've never friended anybody before they friended me first. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of how I use it. Um, you just sit there and wait for other people. Yeah. I'm here folks. Yeah, Fine. exactly. Come and get me. You know, and I, I check in it, I check in on it probably once a day, um, just to kind of read the news feed and see what's going on. And, you know, most of the stuff is like people pump their Twitter streams in there and they pump their Flickr photos in there. So a lot of it I've seen before, but there are some people that I've, I'm friends with on Facebook that I'm not, you know, that I don't follow on Twitter or don't follow on Flickr or wherever. So it's, it's, it's still good. And you get a little bit, I don't know, you get a little bit different stuff. Like Twitter gives you a certain kind of thing and then Facebook gives you a certain kind of thing. And I do the same thing with Google plus like Google plus gives you yet another little weird view into the, you know, to the internet. And then Stellar is, is, you know, slightly different. So it's, it's nice to have those different kind of streams of, of things that you can go and check into every once in a while. I like Twitter because Twitter to me is people wanting to be funny or entertaining. Mm -hmm. I like that. I want to sit back and be entertained. Do you remember the era when it was AOL Instant Messenger away messages that were like the pre-Twitter Twitter? Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To me, that is the most clear antecedent to Twitter. Uh, I mean, people when people who don't get Twitter, you know, because I, I have real world friends, too, who don't, you know, who aren't into who aren't nearly as technical as many of the people I interact with every day. And, you know, when they don't get Twitter, I'm like, isn't it just Facebook statuses? Yeah sort of but no um to me it's it's much less analogous to those facebook statuses and much more to those away messages it was here i am and here's what i have to say and it might be insightful or witty or whatever and i i miss those my point is i miss away messages yeah and i think you know thinking back to what we were just talking about about you know sort of facebook being this you know sort of this online baggage i i, I don't feel that about twitter so much for some reason i think it's because it's so ethereal you know, it's, it's, you know, if you don't, I mean, I'm obsessive as Dave knows, and I, I try to keep up with my timeline and read every tweet that I, uh, that it has. You're insane. Yeah, I, I do that too. I mute everybody. 
I only see tweets from you, Lex. <laughs> I appreciate that. But they so often, you know, they, they just, they're there and then they're gone. And, you know, there's, it's, <laughs> Twitter's getting a little bit better about how to get back your old tweets again and stuff. But since they're, they're so transient feeling, much more than Facebook, which locks everything onto your fully browsable and remembers everything timeline. So I feel like it's, that, to me, that's part of how the, the difference in how they feel. Yeah, Facebook is walking into a room and having a conversation with people you know. Twitter is running down the street screaming at people. <laughs> And I like that better. With real world friends, you know, I, I do meet people mostly now because I have kids. So when you do the various things that kids do, like <laughs> go to the school bus stop or, you know, go to back to school night or whatever, you meet other people who have kids your age and then you can sort of develop friendships. But I, I feel like my friendship making muscles are for, for real world interactions are atrophying. Totally. You're worried you're not going to make any new friends? I'm just, I, I feel like I don't know how anymore. I'm much, I mean, online, you start, in, if it's for me, if it's Twitter, you know, you interact with somebody and you see their posts and you, know, you start replying to them and then you follow each other and then you start direct messaging from time to time and now, boom, now you're friends with Glenn Fleischman. Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's painless and it's, it, you know, there's no, it's very hard to feel um, intimidated online in the sense that rejection is is slow and asynchronous online. So it's hard to notice. <laughs> you can passive aggressively blow somebody off. No problem. Rejection is here, but it's just not, it's not uh, broadly distributed or widely distributed, whatever the right. quote is. And if, if I say it, if, if, if I write to you and you don't write back to me, odds are good that in a few days I'll forget I even sent the overture in the first place, right? Because it's, it's not there. But if I go up to you and I'm like, Hey, let's talk. And then we have nothing to say to each other, or you're not interested, or you say you're going to call and then you don't, that's a totally different thing. Yeah. If I'm supposed to meet you somewhere and you don't show up, I'm upset. If I send you a text message and it takes you two hours to reply, I just don't care. I don't know. I think I can probably count on one hand, the, the number of friends that I haven't met online that I still sort of keep up with, you know, wow. I grew up and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert and I'm, it's hard for me to meet people and it's hard, it, hard for me to express how I, you know, feel about people and what I think and, and, and things like that. So the internet has been fantastic for that, for me, you know, it's been probably saved my life. You know what I mean? It's like, I wouldn't, right. I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe without the internet, I would have learned eventually how to uh, go on a blind date or meet somebody in real life and, and do some of that stuff. But, you know, it's been great. I've sort of concluded, and you're driving that point home right now, Jason, that the the popular crowd on the internet, with the exception of celebrities, you know, true Hollywood-style celebrities, but the popular crowd on the internet often would have very little in common with the popular crowd in real life. Because the people who are <laughs> succeeding on the internet, first of all, the people who, who turn to it earlier and who get more, I think, into it and into sharing there are, like you said, you know, are the introverted ones who, or, or at least are the ones who enjoy expressing themselves through writing. Even if you don't consider yourself a writer, you have to write to, to share online or you have to do something creative, right? You have to create a video. You have to put something out there that people can then watch or read and consume somehow. Some and way I, of communicating your ideas. I feel like that's the, that's not what I, when I think of back, I don't know, man, high school is a really long time ago. When you think back to who the cool kids were then, <laughs> they were not the people who I would think would be really good at those things. Creative expression wasn't what they were popular for. We got beat up. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, it was really fun coming online and, and finding all these other people who are sort of awkward, uh, not outcasts exactly, but just sort of awkward, like people who could, you know, were weird and they could do 
these interesting things that you wouldn't necessarily know because nobody really gave them a chance or nobody, uh, you know, everything, all the interaction in high school is so social that nobody stops and to, to look at, to see, you know, the, what the weird kid in the corner is doing. You know what I mean? Right. I think it's interesting that you said that you can count on one hand, the amount of friends you're still, you still feel really close to who you didn't meet online. That doesn't mean that there's, you don't see people in person. It's just that the people who you now see and spend time with in person are folks you met online. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the people that I keep up with and, and, you know, that I would say are my, you know, capital F friends and not just like Facebook friends. (laughs) I mean, you know, and some of the, like now I think, you know, I'm meeting, like you said before, you know, I have two kids and we meet parents through the school and stuff like that, you know, so there's more of that happening. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, let's see, I'm 39, you know, my, my friends now are kind of my friends and you know, that's, it's, it's probably going to be that core group for, you know, the rest of my life. One thing that worries me a little bit besides my unhealthy addiction to what, to the internet, um, and heroin, (laughs) but is this, this idea that I hope I'm not the only one, but I think that I can sometimes use the fact that I have internet friends, not just friends who I met online, but friends who much of the friendship exists online. But I can use that as an excuse to be lazy and avoid being more real world social. You know, it's like, well, it's not a big deal that we're not going out tonight because I can talk to these three people online tonight instead. I mean, I I don't feel like I'm alone when I spend that time at home instead of going out and seeing people in the real world. But I feel like it, it makes it it's and it certainly it makes it much easier to to stay home since you've got that whole world of friends you can interact with anyway it's unfortunate to me in some sense that it is so easy to still feel connected and and plugged into a social circle even when you're just sitting at home in your pajamas yeah here's where i'm going to play the single guy card i have a completely different take on that when i'm when i'm when I have an opportunity to leave the house and go be around other people, I take it. I'm always looking for an excuse to get out because I spend all of my time in front of a computer or in front of my phone. If there's if there's any chance to go do something social with real human beings, I'm yeah, I'm all over it. Do your phones come out when you're hanging out with other people? You know, that happens a lot. And I try not to complain too much when people do it, but it really does drive me crazy. What about you, Jason? Does your phone come out when you're hanging out with other people? Uh, No, hardly ever. I mean, because... I don't know. I think a lot of people that I know, it's like when the phone comes out, it's because they're, um, you know, it's for work. Like they're checking their email to make sure that, you know, some server isn't melting somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I just don't have that problem or worry. So I just never look at my phone. Um, Like if somebody texts or something, usually like if I'm out and I get a text, it's usually my wife. And I will look at that and, you know, if, if I need to respond, I will. And then I'll put the phone right back in my pocket. But I'm not out with other people like reading Twitter and checking Instagram and stuff. And, and yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's annoying. I, I find it really annoying. I want to have a meal where no phones ever touch the table. Yeah. And, and you've heard of that, that sort of poker that you can play, right? Where the first person to check their phone has to pay the bill. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That's not mine. I may well have read about it on cocky.org. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I bet I'd get a lot of free meals out of that. Whenever this comes up, my friends will say, you do the same thing. And it's, well, I'll take out my phone because everybody else is staring at their phone and I have nobody to talk to and nothing to do. Right. 
but I'm never the first person to take my phone out. Yeah. What I have done that got me much better about leaving my phone in my pocket is tweaking the settings so that when it's in silent mode, it doesn't vibrate either. Because it's just a when I feel the buzz in my pocket, I'm like, I got to know what that was. Was that was that a direct message? Mm-hmm. Was that an iMessage? Did somebody just say something wonderful and complimentary about me and I should read it and feel proud? But by turning off the vibration, then it's just in my pocket and it's easier to forget about. But you're right, Dave. As soon as you see everybody else using it, you're like, man, what are they consuming on that internet out there? I got to know. <laughs> <laughs> are they reading something good on Twitter? Maybe there are links we could be talking about right now. <laughs> I have to draw lines in the sand, too. My friends, they're all on Path, and they have been for since whenever the new Path came out. And they'll say things like, oh, I put it on Path. Or, yeah, we're gonna, we're all going to go out, but we, you know, we put it on Path. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I have, I have a, I have a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram. I don't need more shit. I don't need one more place to look for your stuff. You have weird friends. But now everybody's cross-posting paths to Twitter, and I don't. I don't know. I've I've run out of care. I've run out of give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Twitter is. I don't know. It, I was thinking about it the other day. Like, I feel like a lot of I I still use it extensively, uh, especially for reading. And you know, friends of mine use it extensively. And it seems like I don't know. It seems like this weird thing that's just going to kind of be around, and people aren't going to stop using it. You know, and Facebook kind of feels like the same thing a little bit i think of the two that even though twitter seems to occasionally alienate large sections of at least its techiest users that if one of those two is going to screw it up sooner i feel like it's going to be facebook because facebook is really yeah uh, i mean if uh, assuming twitter is comfortable with the money that they're making from whatever they're doing now with sponsored tweets and sponsored profiles and things uh, then that's okay and I think that they'll be they'll be fine, generally speaking, because it's 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 an endless stream of content, and people keep enjoying posting it and reading it. Where Facebook, I feel like, still doesn't know exactly what it wants to be, and it wants to try to change the dynamic of how people communicate. I'm sure that's on some PowerPoint presentation they've made, and yeah. <laughs> like the, the the fact that Facebook. Facebook makes changes that feel like they're for the sake of making changes, where Twitter makes changes that all seem to serve the general purpose of Twitter wanting to make more money. And I feel like the making changes because, hey, we should make some changes is not a great long-term business strategy for Facebook. Well, the concern for me is that their business isn't helping you stay in touch with your friends. It's selling you ads or selling ads to show you. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's nothing pushing them forward with, I don't know, uh, helping to create or foster or or whatever existing or new relationships it's about making money and one thing that i'll get behind app.net about is that they they are much more interested in charging money and and providing the service to you and and focusing on what they're giving you the trouble is that app.net just has no personality (laughs) yeah i think i mean i I think the problem for twitter ultimately is going to be you know i think they're going to push more and more into you know uh being kind of this broadcast medium for brands and celebrities, you know, and I think that at least the people that, that we know who admittedly are, I think a small minority of Twitter's total user base, you know, really aren't interested in that. You know, there, there, you know, there's 20 million Justin Bieber fans that are interested in it being a media platform, but you know, it's not, it's not something that interests me. I feel like if something does kill Twitter, that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be if Twitter really yeah. just tries to embrace the celebrity culture and make it a way to, to, to follow your favorite celebs you know, early on when famous people, when already famous people started signing into Twitter, you felt, at least I felt that you had a connection to them. Like, man, I'm, I'm closer than most average human beings are to, I don't know, rain Wilson or Al Yankovic, because I follow them on Twitter and there's only a few thousand others of us. And now, you know what? Yeah. I mean, a, a, a friend of mine right after Shaq started tweeting, um, 
Shaq called him on the phone. <laughs> like called him on the phone and he had like a four minute conversation with Shaq. Right. You know? That's that's like, awesome. One of us, one of us. I uh I, I wrote jokes for Rob Cordry once via a direct message conversation. It was totally bizarre. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, now it's when people have millions of followers, first of all, their, their Twitter experience just has to be different from norms, but I don't know that, that I think you're right. That that's, that's not what I use Twitter for. And that's not what I think about, about Twitter as, and if, if they decide that that's what it really should be, then <clears throat> for, I, I can't imagine that that's long-term going to work for them anyway, because that gets boring pretty quickly. Yeah. It's the same problem. They, they were good at cr- uh, creating and, and fostering relationships be, by accident. I don't think that was ever Twitter's objective. I don't think they ever set out with the goal of helping people to make new friends and to, 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 well, again, foster existing friendships. They set out with this idea of people communicating and these things kind of happened, but they don't, they don't know what that magic was. It's like George Lucas trying to make star Wars again. Duh. Not possible. And it wasn't. <laughs> of course, Jason has nearly 200,000 followers, so I, I don't know where you fall in the norms versus celebrity. Yeah, I, I guess I'm probably a, you know one of those celebrities that, that people like to follow, <laughs> and I will broadcast to you. <laughs> All right, can we wrap this up? I'm, I'm, I'm getting short of time here. Come on. I got things to do. Big celeb. You're, you have your people call my people. Exactly. Or not. I don't, I don't know that I could make new friends on Twitter anymore. I, st- I definitely feel like I can. I mean, these days, the, I follow one of, th- I guess, three categories of people. One, if there's somebody who I already knew, either because they are somebody whose writing I read or a celebrity I actually am cared to follow or a friend of mine who then joins Twitter or who I discover on Twitter. That's one. Two is people who I see either retweeted or whatever else um, who are genuinely funny. And I'm like, well, I enjoy funny things, so I'll follow you. And then three is um, people who write back to me and who seem interesting. So, so you know, when I get, I, I have nowhere near the the audience that uh, a huge internet movie star like Jason Kotke has. But when people <laughs> write back to me, and uh, you know, you tap in and check on their timelines and learn about them. You know, if they're interesting, then I follow them. And then sometimes I engage in extended dialogues with them. And then you know, that's how I feel like I end up creating these new friendships you know when i started at macworld in i don't know 2011 i uh i very quickly over time became very quickly over time uh developed these relationships with a whole lot of people (laughs) in the apple world you know like uh you know the not just the staff from macworld but the staff from all the other competing sites like glenn fleischman right like glenn fleischman (laughs) Glenn Fleischman. let's drop let's drop some names come on I didn't know the uh, John Syracuse before. He had no idea who I was, at least. I knew who he was. I had never exchange, had exchanges with him, but now we talk a lot. Now he asked if I would instant message him when I had inappropriate jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, So my point is, Dave, I still feel like I can make friends on Twitter. So there you go. I feel, I feel like it's happened. I just wonder what the future of that. I guess that's the way I should say it. I wonder what the future of being able to make friends on Twitter is like. I feel very fortunate. The people that... I looked up to and, and whose stuff I read and, and whose activities and writings I cared about are now people that I can have conversations with. And I think that's really cool. And that never would have happened without things like Twitter or uh, the internet in general, getting to have conversations with people that you respect, you can just walk up to and say hello to and not have to, I don't know, write to a fan mail address or something. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's so easy to make weak ties on Twitter that turn into stronger ties over time. 
you know, you can you can message. Um, oh, geez, I don't even know who who would be a good example. Um, Glenn Fleischman. Well, Glenn Fleischman. But uh, like for me, it would be more, um, you know, like someone who writes at the New Yorker, like David Grand. David Grand joined Twitter, you know, a few months ago, and I followed him, and he followed me back, and we've you know sort of exchanged you know, Twitter messages back and forth and, and, you know, which is cool for me because I think he's a fantastic writer and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's neat to see his brain working. You know what I mean? And it's neat to talk to him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't want to make it awkward. Oh, please do. (laughs) But you know, it's uh, for somebody like me or, but no, for for me and Dave, (laughs) are you going to call him daddy? What are you, what are you wearing? Not enough. But for me and Dave, reading you for so many years, you know, when I think about people who I've read as consistently and for as long, as consistently and regularly as I've read you, you know, most of the other people are folks who I have no hope of speaking to in my lifetime. You know, it's, you know, Dave Barry. I read everything that he writes, but I have no, I mean, he's on Twitter, but he doesn't reply to my tweets. Um, How many tweets have you sent him? um, Probably not many. Three or four an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He m- muted you long ago. I actually believe that, oh, I don't know, a decade ago, we did exchange emails about something or other, and I have no idea what it is. But I have, I mean, I I never spoke to him, right? I could never say to him, you know, hey, I really appreciate what you do and your talent brings me joy. But I can say that to you, Jason. And so it's that I think is what I like. Uh, a, a very nice perk of the internet is, you know, making the seemingly the, the otherwise intangible tangible so that I can tell these people and interact with these people who I respect and, have, you know, have admired for a long time. I, I, that's very, I don't know. I don't know what the word is of what it is to me, but it's, it's, it's very comforting to me to be able to tell people and know that they've heard it. You know, I like what you do. That's, I like that. It's a funny side effect of doing this show too. Well, what, that we invite people so that I can tell them how great I think they are? <laughs> <laughs> like when you call Jonathan Colton daddy? I called him dad. I called him dad. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. It's interesting that we get to do things, have conversations like this. And if I'm sitting at dinner with my friends and they ask what I'm up to, like, oh, yeah, I had a conversation with Jason Kotke. And we were talking about blah, 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 blah. Or I got to talk to Glenn Fleischman. <laughs> not, to, not to name drop. <laughs> But to be able to say these things casually, like when would that, without the show, without Twitter, without this method of communication, how would we, without being able to forge digital friendships, how would we ever have gotten to this point where where we could have conversations like this? I just remembered now too, when you mentioned that, that I once, I believe, got a link on Kotki.org. Ooh. Mm. You were looking for single serving sites, I think is what you called them. Uh And at my last job. I had made one around the time that people still cared about whether or not Paris Hilton was incarcerated. <laughs> and I had this, what's, you know, I, did we ever? <laughs> when I, when I worked at demand, demand's based in California and I'm here in New Jersey. And so I, I had this idea where I was going to make is Paris in jail right now.com. And there was nobody at work yet because it was probably 9am here. And I just decided with the company's money, I was going to register the domain, build the site and host it. So by the time they all came into work, I'm like, Hey, I did this. Cause I was working. I should point out for the humor sites at that company, like crack.com. And it, it, there was a connection. And so when people came in, I'm like, Hey, I built this and it was very exciting. And then when Jason was looking for single serving sites, I emailed it in and it ended up on the site. So I just want you to know, Dave, I'm pretty famous. Whenever you tell these stories, Lex, I, <laughs> you're like the worst kind of internet famous. <laughs> yes, it is true. You've probably reached millions of people, but like five at a time. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Dave, I have some very, very exciting news. What? Before, when we talked about lynda.com, that was just one of two sponsors for this episode. I need to take a drink, and uh, you need to say that again just so I can do a spit take. <laughs> well, our second sponsor for this episode is Sonic Picks. Digital storytelling made easy. It's sonicpicks.com, P-I-C-S. Sonic Picks, in case you're not aware is a fun, engaging storytelling app, a digital storytelling app that makes it easy to turn your photographs into narrated slideshow movies to share with friends and family. So it's a universal app, works on iPad, iPhone, everything, has the ability to add multiple images in one session, has a quick view image navigator so you can preview and jump to any one image in your project while you're making the recording. And the, the key things to stress here is it's easy to use, and it's fun. You turn your pictures into stories that you can then share with friends. The app is $3. It's available in the App Store, unsurprisingly <laughs> enough. And uh, it's sonicpix.com. What platform? Uh, it's in the App Store. The Mac App Store or the iOS App Store? Well, it's a universal app that works on iPads and iPhones, so I believe it's in the iOS App Store. That would make a good deal of sense. That sounds perfect. Whenever I travel, when I come back, my mom always wants to see pictures of where I've been. So I have to do the airplay thing and go through photos and that's obnoxious. If I could make a thing like on the flight back to just like sit down and hit a button and show her when I, when I get there to pick up my dog, that'd be perfect. And one thing that uh, I was thinking about is if you're going to Macworld slash iWorld, uh, which depending on when you listen to this episode could be very soon, uh, this makes Sonic Picks makes good sense to use for that. If you want to tell the story of your time here at iWorld for your mom or for Dave's mom. You can just uh, head to sonicpix.com and, and tell that story. If you are going to Macworld iWorld, uh, you're in for a real treat. Not just because Ashton Kutcher, Josh Gad, and Fred <laughs> Armisen will be there. And don't forget Will I Am. And Will I Am. But also because we will be doing Unprofessional Live Thursday at 4.30. Is that right? I thought it was 4. Whatever I sent to you before. <laughs> Thursday at 4 p.m. It better be 4 p.m. On the Ma on the Macworld live stage, Dave and I are going to do a live unprofessional. Are we yeah. telling who the guest is ahead of time, or the guests are ahead of time, or no? Um, do we? Should we? What if they back out? Yeah. All right. So it's our guests are Bell Biv DeVoe and Tom <laughs> Hanks. If anything changes, we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be surprised. Yeah. So if if you're attending Macworld iWorld and you have an Expo Pass, uh, you're in for a real treat. If if you're listening to this after Macworld iWorld, don't worry, you didn't really miss much. <laughs> well, the truth is, we're going to release the live episode too. So even if you're not there, you'll you'll get to hear it. You just won't get to have experienced it live in the flesh. I think that seeing us on stage doing the show is going to be part of the thing. Yeah, I, I, agree. I think I think that hearing us recorded later is going to be much different than than watching us live i want to have some fun with the format but i gotta we gotta think of ways to make that interesting without uh ruining it for the listener i'm thinking that for the first time ever we'll wear pants and we'll see how that goes i'm usually naked and only wearing a slanket during the show you sponsored this show we mentioned you forevermore so just keep that in mind don't underestimate the value of callback what do you think you'd be doing if you if if the internet weren't such if the internet weren't what it is and you couldn't do kotki dot org what what do you think you'd be doing? Um, I was going to grad like after I graduated from college. I was going to grad school. I was going to get a PhD in ceramic engineering. Wow, my ceramic my undergrad degree was in physics. Yeah, ceramic engineering. Um, so like you know making sort of non crystalline solids and testing their properties and things like that. And you know I'd probably be you know, teaching somewhere or doing research at, you know, Corning or, you know, doing something like maybe, maybe I'd be making gorilla glass. Who the hell knows? Wow. wow. Um, 
I mean, you know, I have people that I that I went to college with. We we all did um, research with glass, and some of them do work for Corning now. You know, doing that stuff, and you know, I'd probably be doing that. And you know, the reason that I'm not doing that now is because I found the internet, and I sort of looked around me, and I was like, I don't really want to be doing this, you know, for the rest of my life. And and you know, so I dropped out of grad school and taught myself how to do web design. And it, it, to me, it's, it's certainly like, this is the part you were born to play <laughs> is kind of how I look at it. <laughs> you, know, you know, Dave mentioned when you, when you take a vacation or whatever, you don't let the blog lie fallow. You have somebody come and cover for you. I mean, I still read it during those times, but it's always different. And I'm, I feel like even if you posted every link that one of your guest hosts posted, which by the way, I don't think you would, I think everybody's got a different take on what is curate worthy, but just the 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 tone that you strike versus the tone that everybody else strikes um, is so different that I feel like you could identify, well, this is a Jason post or not, even if you didn't know that you were on vacation. There's something to be said for making your product your product and not making you your product. Mm. Right. There's, I mean, I, I just think, I, I, I mean this to not sound dickish in any way because it is meant entirely as a compliment. Here it comes. What you do seems so emulable and yet nobody does it like you. Nobody does it the cocky way. It's, and I'm just, I'm constantly impressed by how you do it your way. Dad. It feels like you are right for it. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it's yeah, who knows? I think probably <laughs> what, what more of these bloggers need is a ceramic engineering background. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. First, get a physics degree and then uh, drop out of grad school <laughs> and move back in with your parents. <laughs> now I've got a plan. Um, yeah. What would you have done, Lex, with no internet? God, I just have no idea. I majored in linguistics and cognitive science. I thought that I was going to do things like um, artificial intelligence, which probably would have been a good career if you think about things like Siri and google now and real-time language translation and understanding what people are doing but oh well but if there was no internet then i don't know that that would be so useful either <laughs> it would all be like siri siri via uh, cb radio right. or something siri this is a uh, breaker breaker <laughs> t4 come back uh, i'm looking for the next truck stop i don't know what you mean by truck stop lex has a wide stance <laughs>